So if you have the Bibles with you, please take them out and we'll turn to the book of Philippians. And um, Philippians chapter 3. And a particular scripture, a verse for today is uh, verse 9, but I'll read from verse 7. And uh, just to put it together. And as I read, as we read together the scriptures on the, on the screen, I ask us to continue to open your heart and allow God to say what He has planned to say to you through this scripture this morning. Because God is here as we have experienced and worshipped Him already. And He has much more to say to us. So Philippians chapter 3, and I'll start from verse 7. It says this, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Verse 8, Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. And then um, our verse for today, verse 9. And be found in him, not only my own uh, righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Let me just read that again. Verse 9. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. We spent last week and the previous weeks looking at this um, concept, this attitude that Paul had when he was um, addressing the Philippians, when he's talking about um, he has... Um, counted all things as, as lost to him, that he may gain Christ. And so this morning I start off by asking us this question. Do we count knowing Christ as a priceless privilege? Do you count knowing Christ Jesus, your Lord and Savior, that you worship and you praise and that you're here for this morning together as a privilege? Or do you actually possibly perceive him and the things that we are called to as Christians is burdensome. See, the truth is that sense of privilege is manifested in our lives when He, Jesus Christ, is Lord in everything that is vital to us. If He is Lord, if He is vital, your decisions, your life, your your, 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 so everything about you kind of reflects Him. So the very decisions you make reflect Him. Your going out and your coming in reflect Him. And this was Paul's attitude after a um, lengthy deliberation, after he reflected his life, as I've, as I've been saying, Paul came to three negative 
conclusions about personal ambition. Now, Paul here speaks about ambition. Remember, he, he, he listed seven things that were, uh, he thought were a gain to him. They were assets be- to him, he thought, before God. Following religious practices as the things that hold him tight to God. And so he came to this conclusion. The first, he concluded that his whole career was lost simply for Christ himself. Everything he had gained, all his religious activities and achievements were all a loss simply for Christ. Then secondly, he considered it all a a loss for the surpassing privilege of knowing Christ personally. So it's one thing to know Christ together as a group of believers, as a church, as his children. It's another thing to know him personally. So here we behave, we all look nice, we are dressed, whatever. Uh, Alone, how is your relationship with Christ Jesus alone? How does it look like? Paul considered all those things a loss for the surpassing privilege of knowing Christ personally. And then thirdly, he considered his aspirations as more than a minus. It was a negative. It was all, I mean, it's different thinking. You've achieved all these things and you get to a place you decide now all these things are actually negative compared to Jesus Christ and what he has to offer me. He concluded that they were all rubbish. That's a strong word. They're all rubbish. The things I've achieved are all rubbish in comparison to the full fellowship with the Lord. See, Paul got to a place where he abandoned his success mentality. It was all about attitude. His mentality was, I want to achieve all these things. I'm religious. I'm going to tick all the boxes. His mentality was to go. And he concluded that all of that stuff meant absolutely nothing. He had placed his confidence in the wrong goals. And so in his life, there came a time when he abandoned the lesser goals. All those goals are okay. It's good to be um, disciplined. But that cannot be the ultimate cause, the ultimate reason why we are alive and why we want to live this life. Make sense? So, we are not poor, but we can learn. We learn from Paul. From Paul's writing, the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, teaches us and reminds us and he shows us, pinpoints some things. Some things are different to you as they are to me. And that's what I'm trusting that he will continue to do this morning. So that's from verse 8. Verse 9 today, let me start off by asking two particular questions that I want you to think of and have in the back of your mind as I go through, uh, as we discuss this um, particular verse. And the first question I have for you is, um, in all honesty, please don't lie to yourself, in all honesty, how do you see yourself before God. How do you see you, person, before God? So you stand before God. How do you see yourself?
And then the second question, second to that question is, if that's how you see yourself before God, second question is, how do you think God sees you? So how do you see yourself before God, the Almighty? And then how do you think God sees you? So some people suspect that they have, when they have committed perhaps a, uh, some terrible sin, they suspect that that prevents them from an eternal relationship with God. Remember, God is eternal. He desires a relationship with us. He has given us um, Himself through Jesus Christ that we may have a relationship with Him. Some people, maybe some of us today might think because you have committed some sin or whatever the case might be, you are prevented from having this eternal relationship with your Creator. And the truth about that, Christian, I mean, we are Christians. I don't know how long we've been uh, serving Christ for. I would imagine for most of us a few years, there are ups and downs. And, um, uh, you know, the Word says that we are to renew our minds daily, but that we are to read the Word of God so that our minds can be renewed. Because there's power. What goes into your mind becomes you. You become that. What you believe, you become that. And so that's why we have to engage ourselves in the Word of God. And so when we entertain that kind of thought, you've messed up, you've sinned, you're feeling guilty, whatever the case is, now you think you are prevented from being a, a son or a daughter of, of God, what happens then, it develops some sort of, it creates a, a, a lifestyle of anxiety. A lifestyle of anxiety. And anxiety is not what we are called to have. And once that happens, once we have this... Um, um, anxiety, we build our own, in some ways, purgatory. We build ourselves in a, a hole that we are uh, messed up and prevented perhaps to be with Christ. Uh, my relationship with God is, 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 is a little bit messed up and I build a, a, a cage or a hole and I almost put myself in there whilst I wait for, for God to come and punish me and you know, sort me out because I have messed up. I have messed up. And then what happens in that little hole? We lose the confidence of being in fellowship with God, firstly, and secondly, with each other. But that's not God's plan. That's not God's plan. Yes, we are humans. Yes, we will mess up. Yes, we will sin. Yes, we will do the wrong things. But there's a way. There's a better way. And the better way is reading the Word of God and we'll understand it this morning. So let's talk about the second question uh, first. Which is, how do you think God sees you? And then the answer to that question should and will shape your answer to the first question. How do you see yourself? Oh, sorry. Let's first look at the second question. How do you think God sees you? And your answer, 
about that question will then shape, should shape your answer about the first question, about which is how do you see yourself before God? So verse 9, Paul starts off by saying, And be found in Him. And be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. One thing we need to realize when Paul says, when he's speaking about it, he says, and be found in Him. We need to understand one thing that the person who's doing the finding is God. It's not you. It's not you who's doing the finding. It's not you trying to look and find God. It's Him. He's doing the finding. Remember, He found you whilst you were still uh, a sinner, whilst you were still wandering and going in your own direction. He called on to you. He found you. So it's not you who's doing the finding. It's not you who's doing the work. It's Him who initiates it. And if that's the case, for us as believers, us who've been work, walking with God for many years, you know, and the, and the ups and downs of life, and we have questions, am I really a true Christian? Am I, am I, am I bringing glory to Him? Am I pleasing Him? Then the real question should be this. How will God find the believer at death? So the day that He calls you home, how will He find you? Are you saved or are you not? How will He find you? We, sa- we know that we're saved. We are born again. And if I have committed some horrible sin, will God find me a sinner who is not eligible for eternal life? Of course, we know that that's not true. If you've been saved, He has found you and you've accepted Him, and He finds you whilst you ha- you know, you're finding sin, whatever the sin might be, that does not change the fact that He found you. It does not change the fact that He found you. I'll explain a bit more um, about that. Or should I see, at least will God have to take me to some divine waiting room? Remember that anxiety, the place we, the place we dig a hole and kind of put ourselves in while we wait, God forgive me, forgive me, please don't punish me, that, that place... Uh, so when God comes at the point of death, will He then put you in that little hole until He has um, um, punished you enough to wipe away that, that, that sin, those things that, that, that you have done that are not r- uh, right toward Him? So he, that He disciplines you before He lets you into His heaven. We know that that's not the case. It's not true. Will I have to suffer before God permits me into His heaven? And the truth, as per the Word of God, is a resounding no. No. God will find the believer at the point of death in Christ Jesus. So, God will find you the day that He calls you home in Jesus. At the point of death, He'll find you in Jesus. Yeah, yeah, you here on, on earth, in your bodies, but you, Jesus lives in you because you're His son or His daughter. And that's how God will find you at the point of death. 
See, the phrase in Christ is the believer's position before God. So how is your position? How, what do you feel? What do you think your position is before God this morning? How did you wake up? What did you do yesterday? What happened a week before? What is going on in your mind? Are you in that little hole that you've created? Are you waiting? Are you in purgatory waiting to be sorted out? The truth, as per God's word, is our position is the same as that of Christ Jesus. See, when God looks at us, He looks at you, it is the same as if He is looking at Christ, His Son. God looks at you, it's as though He's looking at Christ Jesus. Is that a little bit... Uh, does that mess with your head? When I kind of understood, it messed with my head. So what, where, where am I? God looks at me and he sees Jesus in me. How? But some things we will never understand. Some things are mysterious. Some things are for God and only he is um, uh, the one who knows how these things work. But we have to believe that we, are, we have Christ in our hearts. He lives in our hearts. He, he, he uh, makes his home in us. Therefore we live with him. And so when God looks at us, imperfect beings, He looks at us and He sees Jesus Christ in us and He is delighted. He is delighted because of that. But then what does it actually mean? Again, we're here on earth. We are saved. We are born again. We've been living. We're trying to live our best life in a Christian way that honors Him. But what does it mean practically? Well, it means this, that if Christ has a perfect position before God, as the Word of God says, so then we have perfect standing before God. Now, the world and our natural uh, understanding tries to fight against, the enemy fights against, how can you have perfect standing before God? You're human, you're a sinner, you have just maybe uh, sworn that individual, that driver, you've done... You are human. How can you have perfect standing before um, Him? The truth is, if we hold the same status quo as Jesus holds, then we do have perfect standing before God this morning. If Jesus has perfect righteousness, and He does, And because that we, we are in Him, we too have perfect righteousness. If Jesus has eternal life, therefore we have eternal life. This morning can I remind us that these things are true. This is the position that we stand in Christ Jesus. Jesus is perfect. Therefore when we stand before God, we are perfect because Jesus is in us. When we stand before God, Jesus is righteous. When we stand before God, because Jesus is, is in us, we are righteous before God. And this thing about um, eternal life, we believe that one day we will be with Christ, our Creator. One day when we leave this tent, Peter says, 
we will be with him who has created us. We cannot believe that if Jesus Christ does not live in us. We cannot believe that if we are not born again, having given ourselves to Christ Jesus, it is not possible. But this is the truth, that you and I have eternal life based on the fact that Jesus lives in us. Jesus has died and paid the price for you and I. Our position before God in Christ can never, ever improve. Can I say that again? Your position before God this morning, whether you are young, yea high as a Christian, or you are yea old in your Christian walk with Christ, will never improve. Because you've been serving Christ for longer than I have, doesn't mean that my position or your position is greater than my position before God. It's all the same. We have perfect standing before God. We, because Jesus Christ is perfect. It is as perfect as Christ is indeed perfect. At the moment of salvation, we receive as much eternal life as we will have for eternity. Moment of salvation, you give your heart to Christ. You, that day, you received as much eternal life as you will have in eternity. Of course, you, we, we don't know how eternity will be clearly. We've got some, uh, some snippets and kind of understanding but you don't see it. And we think this is okay, it's hard, and there's some glories, there's some things that we enjoy, it will be even better, it will be greater. Can I ask us, do we hear that this morning? Do you hear that? If you're born again, those points, these points I've just uh, mentioned, are about you. Of course, I'm speaking to converted ones as it says. Speaking to us believers. And I'm hoping that this will encourage us to live a life that um, is not um, self-driven. Ambition is good. There's nothing wrong with ambition. We, uh, we've been given those things. But it may be that it brings glory to Him. As, as you rise up, as you do those things, may it be in a way that brings glory to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Can I say this? Can I ask us not to listen to anyone or anything that tells you differently? Don't listen to anyone or anything that tells you differently. If they do, it's a lie. See, we receive absolute righteousness as perfect as Christ's absolute righteousness is. See, a positional truth cannot improve. So at the point of death, for you, my dear friends, my, my Christian brothers and sisters, at the point of death, God will find us, God will find you perfect in Christ, Jesus. Ah, what a confidence that is. That is exciting. But I don't have to wonder. I don't have to wonder. One, when he calls me home, he will find me. God the Father will find me perfect 
because of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. See, some people may think that when Christ comes, they must be at their best behavior or he will not accept them. Do you maybe think that you have those thoughts, people painted those, thrown those, you have to be at your best behavior. If God comes, you better be at your best behavior. So if you look at the driver, for instance, and Christ comes at that point, woo, I wonder whether you've had that or you've thought that. The reality, the truth, is that we are as complete in Christ the day we became a Christian is the day that we will die. God's acceptance of us at death is never dependent upon uh, how we conduct ourselves in time. Can I say that? How you conduct yourself here whilst you're on earth until the day he calls you does not change your positional truth before God. It does not depend upon works. How many times have you gone to church, for instance? How many times have you given to the needy? How many times have you done all those things? No, it depends upon His grace. God's work in Christ. We do nothing to get God's blessing. We already have God's blessing. In Christ Jesus. You might remember Second Peter 1 verse 3 says, As His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Are we, are, we, are we okay? We are, we. This morning, I don't know, I'm here to just remind us as friends, as Christian brothers and sisters, of the reality, of the truth that we, are, uh, that we have, of the truth that we are to exercise. The enemy, through all sorts of uh, means, through all sorts of stuff, will come and paint lies to us. Oh, you're not worthy. Oh, you this. Oh, you that. Those things will be there. Those things will be there. But we need to be um, reminded that that positional truth, who we are in Christ Jesus, does not change. Does not change. It's a hard one because I, I've just said, I said it earlier. Your conduct here in time, in life, does not change your positional truth before God. How? How, how is that? So I can do whatever I want. Whatever I want doesn't change my position of truth before God. That's a hard question. But the truth of the matter is, yes, you can. You can do whatever you want. Because Jesus Christ gives you the option to do whatever you want. He gives you the opportunity to either give Him glory or not. It's up to you, but if you are born again, if you are a true believer, your position 
before Christ, before God this morning does not change, regardless of what you do. But of course, if we choose to live a life of sin because we, we are, we are going to go to heaven anyway, there are consequences to our actions here on earth and also one day when we are with Christ. We need to remember that. Some are saying, now nah, be as you are, do as you please. I'm saying, do what you ought to do to give Him glory. God has placed burdens in your heart, burdens in inverted commas. You need to ask Him to help you live up and honor those, uh, give those burdens back to Him. He's given you uh, opportunities, He's given you talents, He's given us gifts. Use those, all of those things for His glory. And if you don't, it, does, it still does not change your position before God this morning. Can I make that loud enough? If you never, ever, ever pray again, it does not change your position before God. If you never, ever, ever give whether it's to the church or whether it's to a charity, whatever. If you never ever exercise generosity as the word of God encourages to do, it does not change our position before God. If you never ever ever love as we ought to love, it does not change your position before God this morning. Now how freeing is that? How freeing is that? This is the God that I serve. He ha it's for freedom's sake that He has set me free. It's for freedom's sake that He has set you free. If you are in bondage, there is something wrong. You need to um, ask God to help you because of some truths that you don't understand perhaps. See, the issue in this verse Verse 9 is how is the believer how is the believer to be found at death by God? So how, is, how are you going to be found at death by Christ? Because you are His. You are living for Him. You are born again. You are saved. You are coming to church. You are doing churchy stuff. You are doing Christian stuff. So there is one thing to possess potential, uh, sorry, uh, positional truth, it is an it is yet another to apply it to ourselves now and at the point of death. So, if there's one thing I would encourage us to remember this morning is what is your what is the truth, what is the positional truth that you hold before God this morning, regardless of what happened a minute ago or an hour ago or yesterday, or a week before, what is your position of truth before Him? I've often heard that we are not to fear death. We are not to fear death. And my answer to that is, I do not fear death. Whether it's psychologically, I try to convince myself, 
I don't fear death. But there are two angles to, to not fearing death uh, that I found. I do fear death, perhaps because I don't know how death will be. How it's going to come to me. So is it going to be in my sleep? <laughs> then I've got no reason to fear. I don't know how my day, my, how, the, how my, my entrance into the kingdom of God will be. And that I perhaps worry or fear about. But after that, we are not to fear death. Why? Because we are in Christ Jesus this morning. We will be found one way at death. Whether we, are, we, are, we, we enter heaven whilst we're sleeping or someone comes and kills us or something happens as an accident. I don't know how that's all going to look like, but the reality is however that shapes out to be like, we will be found in Christ Jesus. It does not matter. We will be found in Christ Jesus. So this morning, I'm here to remind somebody, me, perhaps, of this truth that we have to hold on to. We have to hold on to the truth. Remember, John 17, 17 says that the word of God is truth. Therefore, to find truth, you need to be found in the word of God. And he will speak to us through his word. He will remind us of the things Jesus says to disciples. I have to go and I'll send you a helper. And he will remind you of the things that I have taught you. How will he remind us of those things if you're not found in his word? And it's not a heavy, it's not an expectation that you have to do it. If you don't, you're less of a Christian than you ought to be. It's just an encouragement. Because your positional truth before Christ, before God this morning, does not change. It does not change. So, how does God see you this morning? First question. And the answer, I hope you have it already. Resigning in Christ Jesus. So God doesn't see Duncan as Duncan. God sees Jesus in Duncan. And Duncan gives God the glory as he lives his life unto him. However that looks like. And with our understanding of that truth, that God sees us in Jesus Christ, should help shape how we see ourselves before God. Now and going forward. So if you see yourself less than before God, that needs to change and it's not a one of those things where you self-help thinking no it's a truth it it helps you change so you feel yourself less than that shouldn't be the case why because god sees you in christ jesus who is perfect who has perfect righteousness which means i you have perfect righteousness before god he holds eternal life it means i will have eternal life that is how i am to see myself before god 
That is how you are to see yourself before God. It's not based on you and your actions. It's not based on you and your actions. Your actions do have consequences, but it does not change the position of truth as I said. Father, please help us. Help us this morning to believe in your positional truth. Help us, help me God, to believe that I, that we have perfect position before you because we are in Christ Jesus. Help us, help me to believe that I have perfect righteousness because your son does. And help me, help us to continue to believe that we have eternal life. Because Jesus Christ does. And where the enemy has come and he's painted all sorts of lies, he's helped us to build that little pit where we sit and wait for you to come with a, with a rod, as it were, Lord, forgive us, that's not you. And help us, Jesus, to live this Christian life that you've blessed us with, that you've died for, as best as we can for your glory. In Jesus' strong and mighty name, I pray this morning. Amen.